Welcome to Still Dead from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert and chipmunk robot on ice, Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm researcher Dr. Kelly Jones. So demonize me already. <laughs> We're here today to talk about Angel Season 3, Episode 11, Birthday, which is a watcher, and Episode 12, Provider, which is a skipper. As much as we're enjoying this forced death march down memory lane, let's raise the stakes. Team Angel surprise Cordelia with gifts and a cake. But before they can celebrate, Cordy is hit by a vision that knocks her out and also knocks her out of her body. Stuck on the astral plane, she desperately tries to communicate her vision to the team while they desperately try to find out what has happened to her. Fred and Gunn go to Cordelia's apartment and find all the medications she's been taking for the horrible vision migraines. And Wesley tracks down her CAT scan results. Cordelia's fate is grim. The visions are well and truly killing her. Angel sends Lauren to find a connection to the powers that be and goes to meet the mysterious plot device known as the Conduit. Meanwhile, a dark figure appears to Cordelia and she thinks it's death, but it turns out to be our old pal Skip, demonic guard of the fire prison dimension. He's here to offer Cordelia a choice, a new vision-free reality where she never ran into Angel in L.A., but instead crossed paths with a talent scout and became a famous wealthy actress. Skip tells Cordy that humans aren't meant to carry the weight of the visions and can't survive them. The next vision that hits Cordy will be her last. After overhearing part of a badly scripted conversation between Angel and the Conduit, Cordelia tapes Skip up on his deal. But her shiny new reality can't fully suppress her memories or her sense of purpose, and she tracks down the girl from her vision. Gunn and Wesley arrive just as the girl accidentally conjures a demon. This Wesley is missing an arm, but fights like hell with a sword anyway. After they kill the demon, Cordelia asks them to take her to Angel, but he's no longer the Angel she knows. In this reality, Angel inherited the visions after Doyle died, and the visions have driven him mad. Cordelia kisses Angel and reclaims the vision. Skips appears, furious that Cordy went back on their deal. But Cordy demands a loophole, and Skip tells her that she can survive the visions if she becomes part demon. Cordy grabs the loophole by the tail and is thrilled when she wakes up in her old reality, part demon but tail free. The next vision hits her without any pain and just a slight case of levitation. Our badass girl is now more than human and more than capable of carrying the weight of her purpose. Birthday aired on January 14th, 2002. It was directed by Michael Grossman and written by Mayor Smith. All right. So, Dr. Jones, on the completely random perfect happiness scale, zero, stake this, six is lost your soul, uh, where'd you land with birthday? So, I gave this a five. Um, All right. Because it has always been one of my favorite episodes of Angel. Mm-hmm. And I love a what if I'd made a different choice story. Sure. There are things to stake here, but I love it anyway. And I love Cordelia's sense of purpose and her sense of self. And the moment when she kisses Angel to take the visions makes my heart melt every time I watch it. So Cordelia being part demon lowers the power differential between her and Angel. And now I can ship them for real. And being on that ship makes me happy. <laughs> I like that, that it takes the power differential to to make you get on the ship. Yes. I had to Very have cool. I had to have that evened out more between them before I could fully ship them and now I can. 
All right, right, so for me, this episode is a four. I don't like it quite as much as you do, but I do like it a lot. I mean, I love seeing Cordy's consequences for the visions, Mm -hmm. um, having her make an active choice to keep them. I love all of that. Cordy's dream sequence as a famous actress is kind of kitschy. I don't really enjoy that that much Mm -hmm. which is weird because i love a bizarro world yeah i always love a bizarro world but for some reason i think part of it is that everything is so perfect and she has this world in which she's a famous actress and she's in this terrible sitcom and you know i mean it's all that kind of stuff it's just a little bit it's just a little bit much um so i don't particularly care for that and i absolutely hate the scene where we have angel yelling at the conduit telling them that cordy's weak yeah you know things that he would never say just to motivate her choice to turn back time. But overall, I mean, I like that she has to make a trade in order to survive the visions that mm-hmm. we're putting her into a new space. She's a little bit demony, mm-hmm. So I think that that's very cool. Um, and, you know, we know that this choice will likely have consequences of its own eventually. So I really like that. I like that we're kind of escalating the situation with her, this sense of her purpose. Um, so there's a lot of stuff I like. I mean, it's, it's a high four yeah. for me, but but it's still kind of a four because it's just some of it just doesn't really, I don't know, work for me personally. But I think that overall, it's a pretty good episode. No, I think so, too. And it was funny before I rewatched it. I was like, oh, well, this is a six. Of course. I love this episode. Right. It's great. But the, the whole conduit thing and yeah. that whole stuff, I was like, nope. Mm-mm. Nope. I have to take away a point. <laughs> so it can only be a five. <laughs> you lose a point. Lose All a right. Point. So. Dr. Jones, what are your moments of perfect happiness in this episode? So I started with the little things. Um, and yeah. I just, I really enjoyed all the birthday love. Like, yeah. the team surprising, surprising Cordelia with presents in the cake. Especially mm-hmm. on that cake because she was decorated like Wonder Woman. Yeah. And it was kind of cute. It's but very nice. But mm-hmm. my favorite was Phantom Dennis. Like, oh, ready to surprise oh, her at home. And, like, he had on the little hat and <laughs> he had put up the banner. And I'm like, I know. I don't think that's easy for a ghost. And it was I really love sweet. Phantom Dennis. <laughs> He's so sweet. I love Phantom Dennis. And I loved how Fred introduced herself to Phantom Dennis and how Dennis hid all of Cordelia's medications to protect her privacy. I know. But then, I know. It was yeah, very sweet. It was mm-hmm. really good. But then he showed. Gun when Gun was like, oh, you know, or do you want her to join you as a ghost? And yeah, mm-hmm. Dennis is like, no, he's just trying to protect her. Dennis is the most selfless. Like he is genuinely just a good person. He is. He is I like absolutely the best, love him. Best roommate slash ghost boyfriend I ever. I know. <laughs> I know he's awesome. From the loofah to protecting her privacy. Yep. I mean, all that stuff is really great. Yeah, he's really really great. But, of course, my favorite part of this episode was Cordelia. I mean, this is such yes. great Cordy. And yeah, and I was, I was noticing, like, she's keeping her condition secret and she's suffering mm-hmm. so much and staying dedicated to her mission and to her team. And then I thought, wait a minute, am I, like, subconsciously buying into the patriarchal bullshit that women have to suffer in silence and sacrifice themselves for other people and like huh so i had a moment (laughs) like wait a minute maybe i shouldn't quite love this thing the way i love this thing i think it's okay for a couple of reasons um i think it's okay because 
we don't have her making this choice specifically because she's a woman. It's not like, oh, you're a mother now. You must sacrifice everything that made you a human being, you know, like yeah. this kind of thing, which we often see. Um, Cordelia is, um, you know, she is like characterized, you know, we have more from her than just this sense of sacrifice. And this is also a thing that I think that we would have had, you know, Wesley do, or we would have had Gunn do. Um, I don't, I don't get the feeling from this. It doesn't feel like this is a choice she's making because she's a woman. It mm-hmm. feels like this is the choice she's making because she's a hero. Yeah. So I think that like it it doesn't bother me that much. But the fact that we do have so many stories of a woman's value is seen through her sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That when you get that so much in the pop culture, when there's a woman who makes any kind of sacrifice, it kind of hits that bruise. And it does feel a little bit like you need to like at least stand back and ask the question. Yeah, that's kind of how mm-hmm. it was for me. But I really yeah. like this Cordelia. And, mm-hmm. and even when she's dying and trapped on the astral plane, like she is determined to save that girl from her vision. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and just the growth of Cordelia and and the I think like the way that she's integrated the visions mm-hmm. into her life. Yeah. Like, I just I really, really liked it. Um but probably like my favorite I don't know if this is like metaphorical or whatever for Cordelia was when Skip showed up to her mm-hmm. and he looked at her astral figure and then he looked at the actual Cordy body laying on the bed. Mm-hmm. And he was like, huh He said, you know, most people go astral, their spiritual shapes tend to be an idealized version of themselves. You're pretty confident, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) I like that moment. I liked it so much Mm -hmm. because I've always thought of like Cordelia as our truth teller. Right. Like Mm -hmm. she also completely is telling the truth about herself. Like she didn't change anything about herself in that realm. Right. But is Cordelia really like Cordelia was the truth teller in Buffy like that was the role that she had. And then, you know, later in Buffy that gets picked up by Anya that gets picked that gets picked up by Spike. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but Cordelia and Buffy was the truth teller, but she's she's not anymore. That's not the role that she plays in Angel, especially because here she is suffering through all this stuff. She's got these pills that she's taking to like, hi- you know, she's mm-hmm. hiding what's going on. She's not the truth teller anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a really good point. But she yeah. seems to be very accepting of herself. No, but she likes herself. Yeah. And I think that that's awesome. I do. She has just yeah. very strong sense of self, which I, which I've always liked about Cordelia. Yeah, me too. And I like that even in the actress reality, which was pretty bad. And honestly, yeah. like that sitcom did not look <laughs> Oh my like, god! That no. just looked really bad. Um, yeah, that was like a full house like, oh kind of opening. That was it not was, a good. No. But you know what? It would have you know it would have been a good living for her. That's the kind of sitcom that you can you know see people watching. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, ugh. I was like, are you oh, sure man. they got you to the right dimension, Sweeney? Because yeah, that looks kind of sketchy. It's successful, <laughs> but it's it's not good. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but even that couldn't quite distract her, you know, from the vision and from the mission and all of that. And I have yeah. a research question about this when we get there, but mm-hmm. I liked her going to the Hyperion 
um, which I also have a research question about. But when yeah. she was like tracking down that room where she remembered writing the address on the wall, yeah. but she's tearing the wallpaper down. <laughs> that poor hotel clerk is like, oh, yes, that that's bad. Bad wallpaper. <laughs> right, right. What must it be like to be so rich and famous that you can rip wallpaper off a wall and people are going to try to agree with you? Like I can only imagine. Like the things that people see, like famous rich people doing mm-hmm. that I, I I can only imagine. I think ripping wallpaper is probably the least of it. The <laughs> least crazy thing that that bellhop had seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. I just thought it was really funny that he was like, yeah. oh, yeah, we're, we're going to totally go along with whatever you say and do here. Right. And, <laughs> um, but But I really do love that moment when Cordelia you know goes to Angel and sees what has happened to him and she knows that he needs her and and maybe I'm just overly romantic about it but I have always seen this as the moment when she realized she loved him and that's Mm -hmm. when I'm like up on that ship like waving my arms and like enjoying (laughs) the whole thing I'm like all (laughs) in with with Cordelia and Angel um but I really loved it when she you know, tell Skip, like, find a loophole. I know my yeah. purpose. And mm-hmm. and then taking that with no hesitation, yeah. you know, demonize me already, babe. It's awesome. Like, <laughs> it's really great. No, it's all good stuff. I mean, I think that Cordelia, I like, I don't know, like, it's weird for me because I, right now over in Still Pretty, we're doing season two of Buffy, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, mm-hmm. I'm watching Cordelia as she was in Buffy, as she was the truth teller, you know? Um, that she was the one who would say whatever she was thinking, who would always be straightforward. And here we don't get that, you know, in her. And maybe that's because she is such a major character that we've moved her into a space where we can't have her be that straightforward and honest. I'm not really sure, but there is something really different. Like there's the Cordelia that was in Buffy and then there's the Cordelia that's an angel. And especially because I do find Cordelia as she's represented in angel to be so incredibly inconsistent that Mm -hmm. we do tend to bend her for whatever our, you know, purposes in that particular moment, you know? Um, And I find that something that we, you know, that that only gets worse as we go, like no yeah. spoilers, but but what happens to Cordelia and, and the way her, her character is bent almost to the point of being unrecognizable after a while um, is a bit much. But like right now I look at her and I just can't see. It looks like the same actress with the same name, but it's not the same character. And I mean, she did go through a lot of transition, you know, I mean, she like between you know, high school and, uh, and, you know, coming to, uh, to California or to Los Angeles, she, you know, her lost all of her money, you know, she had a lot of growing up that she had to do. She ended up living in this terrible apartment and being really poor and like all of these experiences she hadn't had before. And that kind of difficulty will absolutely change a character. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, like, I, I'm not sure that it's fair. Cordy does just does not seem consistent to me it seems like whenever we need to bend a character to provide what we need in the plot we have Cordy do it and after a while it makes her so malleable that I don't really feel a strong sense of who she is but I do like this version of Cordelia I like this 
you know, she's a hero. She's dedicated to the mission. She knows what she's meant to do. That even when, you know, Skip reframes her entire life and gives her this new meaning, you know, this new experience, the thing that she wanted, gives her what she always wanted. She still knows that this is what she's supposed to be doing, that it is about her vision. Yeah. Um. So I don't know, like, I, I like it. But I always feel at odds with Cordelia in this show. Like there's something about Cordelia that just doesn't mm -hmm. sit right with me. That doesn't feel consistent. I don't feel like I know who this character is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And I think that's why when I have episodes that she feels like Cordy to yeah. me, mm -hmm. I love it. And that's yeah. how this one feels. Yeah. But I don't think we yeah, get, absolutely. I don't think we get perfect right Cordy. Until one episode, there is one episode in season five. Yeah. That I will say, yeah. yes, that is exactly who she is. Oh, I hate that episode in season five. Oh, I think it's terrible, Cordy. We'll have that discussion. Really? <laughs> well, I'll have to rewatch oh, it, but it. I think of it and I I'm like, yes, it. that is her to me. But Ugh, that yeah, is so yeah. interesting. And maybe because Yeah, no, it'll be she... interesting to... To see that, yeah. to, when we get there, to see, because I, I hated that episode of season yeah. five. Anyway, we're not going to spoil no, but anything, I do think, but yeah. I do think it's interesting that you're really thinking about her as she is on Buffy, because I don't well, do yeah. that so much. And, and you're absolutely right. Like, this is not the same character well but that's okay like characters can change and grow yeah. and i don't have a problem with that she's been through a lot but i do feel like we tend to jerk her around as a character oh, that yeah. she will be inconsistent i think more than more than any of the other characters we will mold cordy to be whatever it is that we need in that moment mm -hmm. without it necessarily being a consistent sense of cordy so i feel like like i really like the cordelia in this episode but the Cordelia in this episode is different from the Cordelia that we had at the end of, you know, say the, the end of season two with the Pylea arc. Oh, yeah. That was a different Cordy. Yeah, and true. like we have we have different Cordys all throughout. And I just like I, I like it here, but it it doesn't feel consistent to me. I don't feel like I know Cordy and Buffy. I felt like I knew who Cordy was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and here I never, I never feel that way. In the first season, I think I did. Mm -hmm. um, but outside of that, I really have been having, I've, I struggle with Cordy, but I do like Cordy in this episode. Yeah. No, I the, think the, all that. The specific brand of Cordy that we get in this episode, yeah. I'm like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and I also got some moments of perfect happiness from Bizarro World, Wesley and Gunn. Oh, I know. <laughs> I love it. So I love like, it. Wesley as this ruthless fighter with one arm and I was like Lonnie's gonna swoon oh my god I know <laughs> it's proto dark Wesley and I love it <laughs> I mean he's lost an arm he's all scruffy yeah. he's you know he's he's Wesley that's seen some shit yeah. you know and I really I like it that scruffy beard was pretty hot yeah. um. <laughs> uh, scruffy Wesley is like you know is my my perfect happy place yeah say. yeah <laughs> Well, and he was a lot more ruthless and, you know, Angel yeah. was insane, but still trying mm -hmm. to help people. Yeah. But I kind of love the fact that Gunn was still pretty much Gunn. Yeah. No, Gunn is Gunn. Yeah. Gunn Gun is, is a very secure sense of self. You're pretty confident, aren't you, Gunn? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Gunn was just Gunn. I um, think Gunn also would, would look like himself in the astral plane. Yes, I think he would too. Um, and I, I like Gunn asking Cordelia, 
It's like, what is it with you Sunnydale folks and repression? <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought that was really oh, yeah. funny. But then it kind of broke my heart when Wesley was telling Cordelia about Angel. Mm-hmm. And he's like, sometimes he sends us to save people he killed 200 years ago. Yeah. And, and you know, and then we go into this place where there's, you know, Angel having gotten the visions. Mm-hmm. And losing his mind because Cordelia wasn't there and losing his connection to himself. That was kind of interesting. Yeah, it was. I have research questions about that. All right. We'll yeah, get to that. Because then. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not real sure about this. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got, I did get some, I got a kick out of Lorne, you know, yeah. saying this ain't medical kids. It's mystical. And I'm like. Yeah. Lauren is almost always delightful. Lauren is, is almost always in my moments of perfect happiness. Yeah, always. And and we we will have discussions later, I'm sure, about my attraction to characters or just being drawn to characters who end up being I don't know, not the kind of people you want to bring home. But <laughs> I enjoy Skip. <laughs> like I like Skip, too. And David Denman, who, of course, I will always, always think of as Roy from The Office. Oh. <laughs> so every, time, every time I see him, even in all that demon garm, I'm like, that, that's just Roy. That's just Roy. Like, he's, he's you know, give him a minute. He's going to hit on Pam. It's going to be fine. But, um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's interesting. So you, so you got a thing for Skip, huh? You I, like- he, I really enjoy him. Like, genuinely yeah. enjoy his humor and... Mm-hmm. There's also kind of a dark edge to Skip. Like he gets, yeah. he goes from being very blasé to like ready to fight. Right. But there's something mm-hmm. about him I like. And, and he's a little cold he's too. A little like cold. when the when the woman, yeah. the girl comes yes. in to give him his testimonial. Yeah. Right. And she says all these, you, you, you know, you can't go wrong listening to our boy Skip here. And he's like, oh, get out of here. And he's like, no, seriously, get out of here. Yeah. He's like so rude to her. And then I was like, all right, you know, Skip's. Skip's got a dark edge. Skip's like there's something a, not quite, yeah. not quite right about Skip. I, I'm in this moment beginning to not trust Skip entirely. Me too. And I have research yeah. questions about him. But but All I'm right. in that space of like I think something's up with this person. But hey, I also really like him and kind of want to drink whiskey with him. Yeah, that is like oh, an yeah. internal alarm system I should listen to. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like if I'm attracted to somebody. Something is seriously wrong with yes, <laughs> something like that. Like I could be like an early warning system for the FBI. Right, like, right. right. Want to keep your eye yeah. on that guy? I don't. Know. I like. I like this guy. That means there's something seriously wrong with him. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it kind of feels that way with Skip. But mm-hmm. uh, and then he started talking about the Matrix, and he liked it. And I was like, now I really I want to go watch the movie with him because his perspective uh, on the Matrix would be fascinating. He's yes. from another mm-hmm. dimension, like. <laughs> I don't know. Sure, sure. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, And I really liked his, like, Monday morning quarterbacking of the video. Oh, right. (laughs) I was like, if you had gone here, here, and he's, like, circling all the stuff on the screen. Exactly. Oh, God. And that was really cute. Um, Yeah, and he's the kind of demon that you would expect would be really into football. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. But I liked at the end, you know, when Cordy has made her choice and they found their loophole and, and he says, okay, it was an honor being your guide, Cordelia Chase. And it made me wonder, like, was that whole thing yeah. a test? And mm-hmm. did they give her just enough of her memory 
to yeah. let her. So I don't know if he was there to steer her to become part demon. I don't know who sent him. I don't know how being a fire prison demon dimension guard qualifies you to be like a life-changing vision handling guide. Well, it is entirely possible that it was done by a vote and he didn't win the popular vote, but he got the electoral <laughs> college. And so somebody completely fucking unqualified ends up in the job. This shit happens all the time. Oh my God. Make our dimension great again. He has had. Oh God. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh God. You are so yeah. spot on with that explanation. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just I'm I'm very in tune with the the somebody who's completely unqualified actually having a job they should not have. Uh, um, uh-huh. Right now, that's a sensitive spot for me. <laughs> All right. So, what do you have to stake in this episode, Doctor Jones? Okay. So, I got really annoyed at Angry Angel, and yeah, and normally I love Angry Angel. Yeah. But he was pissed at Cordelia for not telling him about her migraines and doctors, and I was mm-hmm. like, honey. You've been kind of busy yeah. and you've been mm-hmm. distracted with the darkness and the brooding and the Darla and the baby. So no, Cordelia did not bring you her pain and her problems. And also you lied to her. Oh yeah. And you fired her and you left. And like, <laughs> dude, you haven't been around to mm-hmm. be this kind of friend. So don't get mad at her. Um, yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. really getting tired of him bullying Lorne when he wants mystical answers. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and like, Lauren has earned his place on that team. Yeah. And he's earned the respect and care of that group. And Angel just tends to turn on him whenever he wants something right. impossibly mystical done. You know, and, and Lauren yeah. said, hey, that's a lot to ask. And Angel's like, I'm mm-hmm. not asking. And I'm like, Angel, right. don't be a dick. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Lauren always puts up with it. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, actually, he doesn't. Lauren, Lauren is such a great like example for boundary setting Mm -hmm. you know like because he always pushes back and he always says no that's not okay but then again he always does whatever angel wants him to so maybe not but you know i mean but he is always like you know he'll he'll stand up to angel and he'll be like no that's not okay and you know Mm -hmm. he'll explain that stuff to him and then he always does whatever but i think that like the whole point of that is that we wanted to show like how deeply angel feels about cordy that he will you know, basically bully anybody because it's about Cordy. And I appreciate that they want to show how important Cordy is to him. But yeah, and as much as I love Angry Angel, and I always love Angry Angel, Mm -hmm. I am completely with you on staking Angry Angel in this episode because, you know, being so pissed off at Cordy. And then, of course, that like stupid, you know, where he's yelling at the conduits and saying she's not a hero. She's not a champion. She's not, you know. That's stupid. It's stupid. And, and you know, we have her watch just enough of it that she hears him say that. And then she's like, okay, fine. You know, give me this other life. Right. Um, but, but of course that's not. And then he immediately turns around and, you know, talks about, about how amazing she is and all this. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, it really felt, you know, highly contrived. It did. And annoying. And, yeah, and it, uh, you know, an angel in this episode is not great. Angel. No, it's not. And, and, but that's one of the reasons I'm giving Skip the side eye. Yeah. Because I'm like, all right, dude, you only brought her in for that part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And like, really? But yeah. the, the whole conduit, I just wanted a steak. Like, it got its own steak. Yeah. Because the mm-hmm. whole thing is stupid. How yeah. many 
mystical connections to the powers that be that don't actually answer questions. Can they fit in L.A.? And, you know, it seemed like its only purpose was to give Cordelia part of this conversation to overhear. And that was it. No, it was completely contrived. We didn't need it. No. There was enough stuff going on in this. It was just dumb. No. And there's, there's ways that you could have done that that would have been better. Like, if you hadn't had him... Talking about how pissed off he was, mm-hmm. but about like about maybe being hurt, you know, and like under or something like that. She could see that she was causing him pain, even though she didn't want to, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that could have been something that would have made her make that choice, yeah. you know, like and and I would, you know, if he said something to her, like, I would rather you not have the visions you know, then, then go through this or something like that, where she could see that, like, that would be something that I would understand, but him just being like angry and pissed off about everything. It just didn't, it didn't work for me. No, it didn't work for me either. Um, And, and her like dream life as the actress didn't really work for Mm -hmm. me either. Maybe because that sitcom just looks so bad, but, (laughs) and I I like the, I like the idea of that kind of choice. Like, Mm-hmm. The mystical, what would happen if choice. Right. And and it, like, let's give you everything you ever wanted, right. which by the way, for Joss Whedon is a huge thing for him. Yeah. You know, like everything you ever wanted, what happens when you get what you want, you know? Um, but the thing is, is that there was like, she wasn't unhappy with that life. No. At all. She just was, she still didn't forget. She went to the Hyperion. Mm-hmm. She went to the right room. She knew where she was going. Um, but also in this alternate universe, we still have what she wrote on the wall there. She still knows, you know, she's not going to give all that stuff up. So it's just, it felt really, you know, again, weird and contrived. Yeah. Like it didn't feel like we were really giving her that life and that experience. And we weren't focusing in on what that experience would be like in comparison to her life. Now she just went straight back to her right. life. It now. was almost like we didn't see enough of that. Like, yeah. does she have friends in that? Is she in love? It wasn't a, yeah. Is... It wasn't a choice between the two right. lives. It was, you know, we, we wipe her memory. We put her in this, in this, you know, weird uh, Truman show space mm-hmm. or whatever. And then she just remembers everything. She finds this girl. She finds Wesley and gun. She finds angel immediately. Like, I don't know. It did. It didn't. That's, and that's one of the things too. I love that bizarre world. I love those choices. I love the, let's give this character everything they want and then show, and then she'll find out that that life wasn't that great, that it wasn't really what she wanted. Right. But instead we just put her back into this alternate universe. And of course, Wesley has lost his arm and Angel has, you know, lost his connection to reality and, um, you know, all of that stuff. It just, and that's why I didn't, particularly care for it mm-hmm. like I didn't feel like it really raised those questions about what if you get everything that you want because even in that moment she is still all about Angel mm-hmm. you know and it's not about her and her life and what she wants for herself yeah and I guess like the romantic in me just loved the fact that whatever that was that magic yeah. or whatever it was couldn't take the memory of angel away from her like i guess i read this less as what if she gets everything she wants and more of this is when she realizes that she really loves angel and i'm pretty sure that's an overly romanticized view but Mm -hmm. i still like it (laughs) yeah 
it's funny. I, I'm a big fan of romance mm-hmm. and love story, and it just didn't work for me. Yeah, and I can see why yeah. because I mean, there's a mess, and I put most of those messy questions in research mode. All right, so let's go into All research right. mode. So, what do you got? Okay, so I had talked about how Skip goes from being Billy's guardian to being yes. Cordelia's guide. Sure, and mm-hmm. there's an interesting connection there because mm-hmm. Angel broke Billy out of that prison to save Cordelia. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. Cordelia went to kill Billy. But Lila yes. ended up, you know, stepping up and doing that. But there's mm-hmm. still a thread running through all of them. And now Skip yeah. is in both places. And those two jobs are not related in any way, shape, or form. Right. So I'm really curious about what the hell that means. No, well, I mean, okay, so he was guarding Billy. Mm-hmm. And then Billy was broken out. And instead of him guarding somebody else who is equally evil in the little box of fire. Right. right um, he ends up becoming a guardian. I mean, I guess I'm sure like, yeah. you know, a demon so- finds other things to do. Like once he's been beaten and maybe he lost that That's job. That's what I was thinking. Like, did he get yeah. demoted? Did he get fired? Maybe he got fired because, you know, Angel bested him and broke out broke billy out yeah. yeah but then that girl in the vision you know the one that whose back mm-hmm. of her brain was blown out yeah she was from like what 1564 or something yeah something like and that. and apparently skip had gone to her or or like they became friends or yeah. something because she's telling cordy mm-hmm. you know to trust him i don't know yeah there is a bunch of questions around skip yeah, the connection is a little bit weird, and it does feel like we just really like David Denman. Yeah. So we gave him a new role. Which I totally see why. Sure, I sure, absolutely. I kind of wanted it to make some story sense. And so yeah, I was wondering, yeah. like, does he work for the powers that be? And was this, you know, choice a test for Cordelia to see, like, would she choose to become part demon in order to keep yeah. the visions? Mm-hmm. Like, was that. And the whole thing was just confusing and contrived enough that I believe it would have come from the powers that be. Right. Mm-hmm. But I I don't yeah. know. Um, nah. But I did think it was really interesting that we saw Doyle again. Right. And that Doyle yeah. had, you know, a presence in this story. Because mm-hmm. Skip said that Doyle giving Cordy those visions was a big cosmic, a big cosmic whoops. Right. Mm-hmm. And he told her that the powers that be have a good handle on life and death, but not on love. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking, well, love gave the visions to her in the first place. And mm-hmm. love brought them back to her in this episode. Mm-hmm. And the powers that be are kind of clueless about the thing that makes us human. Because, yes, we have free will. And, yes, we have plenty of darkness. But it is our capacity for love that makes us who we are. And mm-hmm. sometimes this show makes that statement and sometimes Mm -hmm. it doesn't and like i don't know that the show understands its ideology or like if the show understands the paradigm with which it sees the world right i think it pulls out stuff that's convenient in the moment but we don't really understand like the powers that be are this incredibly undefined they exist for whatever conflict we need in the moment, but there isn't a whole lot of consistency and it's really hard to understand what they actually do or if they're actually like good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, it's, it's really weird and it's very undefined and it does feel like a 
you know, like a, a narrative device of convenience, mm-hmm. you know, that we, again, it's kind of like Cordelia, like whatever the, the thing is that we need in a particular story at a particular moment, we just throw the powers that be in and they are just that thing. Right. And so it doesn't feel like there are, there's a real sense of a consistency and a, um, you know, kind of like an organization behind what's happening. It's just this mysterious thing. And sometimes there's a conduit and sometimes there aren't. <laughs> and sometimes there's the oracles and sometimes there aren't. Um, it's, it's weird. Yeah, it is weird. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and Skip was talking about how every person has a connection to the powers that mm-hmm. be. We can call it instinct or intuition, but we all know our purpose. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, really? Yeah. Because <laughs> the characters on this show make a lot of choices in the name of purpose, right? Yeah. Or in the name of the mission or for a greater why. And I just, first of all, wonder if it's true. Like, do mm-hmm. each of us have a cosmic connection that gives us a sense of purpose if we're able to listen right. for it? But on Angel, like, the call to purpose and the lines of fate are fuzzy and ever-changing. So yeah. I don't know that the show really knows what it's trying to say about intuition and instinct and purpose. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Angel, I think, is a show that has been very much about purpose. Like, that's Angel, you know, and that mission statement, you know, when he was talking to all people, Kate, yeah. you know, in Epiphany. Right. If nothing we do matters, then the only thing that matters is what we do. Right. right? Um, And I like that. And I think that that's cool. But, you know, this idea that everybody knows what their purpose is. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that's necessarily true. I think some people have a very strong sense of their own personal mission, their own personal purpose, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But I don't think that's necessarily true for everyone. And, And the role of the powers in understanding everything and, like, you know, sending these visions to Cordy, you know, to Angel through Cordy and, you know, what that mean. And then they had, they chose Doyle to carry the visions before, but they didn't choose Cordy, but Cordy ended up getting them. But obviously they're the powers, which means they're, you know, powerful. Right. Like, how how do they not choose? How does, how does Doyle just randomly able to transfer the visions to Cordy without that being something that the powers actually intended so none of this like i don't trust skip's interpretation of what's going on i don't necessarily it doesn't necessarily make sense to Mm -hmm. me i think the idea that cordy cordy knows this is her purpose she is is really connected to her sense of this mission you know so much so that when angel fired them all like she kept going she could have just been like all right whatever i'll just go back to acting but she didn't you yeah. know um and she chooses these visions and she um she believes in that purpose you know very deeply mm-hmm. so all of the all of skip's kind of pat answers and explanations don't really feel either either true you know, of the powers that either he's lying or like packaging this narrative for mm-hmm. them or that he really doesn't understand. He's just like, that's what they told me. I'm telling you, yeah. you know, um, but it doesn't seem consistent. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't think that there's a lot looking at this that we can 
we can look at this and say, okay, this is what this show is saying. Right. There's clarity of, of, you know, of expression here. There's clarity of, of meaning. There's like, there's none of that. It's kind of all over the yeah, place. Yeah, that's kind of how it feels. Um, yeah. Although I will have to say, I actually paused the show for a second when they yeah. said that Angel got the visions from Doyle. Because I was like, now, did Doyle kiss Angel? Did they have a smooch? Did they? I want to know. Did Doyle fall in love with Angel? <laughs> I want to know if Doyle kissed what Angel. What happened there? I need... <laughs> I need that I need cut scene. that scene. I, I'm not a big fan of flashbacks, but in that case... <laughs> yeah. I just got really tickled. Um, mm-hmm. But then I had research questions about Cordelia's experience. And yeah. I was really wondering, what was it like for her when she astral projected into Angel's body? Like, uh-huh. could she sense the demon in him? Or did she mm-hmm. get any kind of sense about what it feels like to be a vampire with a soul? Because I thought that was yeah, really interesting. And it just went by mm-hmm. really fast. Yeah, no, it did. It did. And we didn't explore that, I think, at Mm-mm. all. Not even a little. Yeah. And, I, and I really mm-hmm. wish that we had. Um, and also what kind of demon is Cordelia now? I mean, we got all Wesley's books and we got no answers. Yeah. But no, no sense for, she's a floaty, she's just a floaty, she's just a floaty demon. She is a demon for whom gravity is inconsistently (laughs) applied. (laughs) No tail, no horns, but on occasion she'll float. Floating. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought that was funny. Um, yeah. Okay. So more questions about this angel Mm -hmm. without Cordelia. Right? right? So in this reality, there is no Fred and there is no Connor. Right. But we know Wesley came to L.A. as a rogue demon hunter. So it makes sure. sense that Wesley and Angel mm-hmm. would connect. But how did Gunn join up with Wesley? Well, I imagine it was probably the same process that Gunn was out there, you know, killing vampires. They connected with Angel. He started working freelance. Then Angel gradually lost his mind. Um, and lost his connection to everything, which was the other thing that like, that seemed weird to yeah. me that angel, you know, because first of all, what Skip says is that the visions are not meant to be handled by a human, right? right? Um, it'll blow the back of your brain out. Just come look at, you know, whatever her face mm-hmm. was, you know? So, um, so we have this whole thing. So angel gets the visions um, and he's a demon and he should be able to handle it at least better than Cordy. But because Cordy wasn't there, he became fractured from reality. Yeah. Because he had those visions. That doesn't make sense because it's, it's this whole idea of like, this is what life would be without Cordy. Right. That, you know, Wesley would use his, lose his arm, that, that gun would not change at all. That Angel would would lose his mind and his connection to reality without Cordelia there, um, and I'm not I'm not sure that that really yeah I wondered like that makes too. sense like, for me. Why did the visions drive Angel insane when they didn't drive Cordelia insane? I mean they're or Doyle yeah they're yeah. killing her, but mm-hmm. they're not driving her crazy. And right, they didn't drive Doyle crazy. And so yeah. my only thought was maybe. Because it opens you up to such an empathetic state mm-hmm. that it let Angel experience, like, I mean, we know he has his own brooding. Right. But maybe mm-hmm. it let him experience that from the perspective of the people he hurt. Yeah. And then that was just too much. Like, I don't I, know, but he's been, he's been living with that for 
you know, hundreds of years. Like the fact that these visions would, and also the thing is, is that the visions were supposed to be there so that he could go and be the champion. But instead he's hiding out in this room and Wesley and Gunn are out there, you know, battling all of the demons and, and, you know, with their not quite superhuman, I mean, they're very good at what they do, but they're not superhuman. They're not vampire. Mm -hmm. They're not the champion. So these visions end up taking Angel kind of out of the game, which is, which is weird. And I wondered, like, remember the episode where Wolfram and Hart like brought the big dude and he killed the oracles and like he unleashed all the visions at once on cordy like maybe that had happened to angel maybe all of them and there was nobody to save him and so then he just went crazy but maybe i I don't know know. it all it all feels a little bit weird it feels weird yeah 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 but it raised lots of questions for me which i enjoy and then i got my heart warming moment with Cordelia and Angel that I can deconstruct and take apart because really it makes no sense but I don't care I love it <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because it just didn't work for yeah. me like I just didn't care it all the whole episode felt so contrived and so weird and brought up so many questions that by the time we got to this wonderful moment where she kisses him, she takes back the visions and she remembers everything and she tells Skip, find me a loophole and all like, I just, I didn't care. No, I love it. (laughs) I, I, and I, I was really curious to see if I was still going to like it this time because I've grown a bit more cynical than I was the last time I watched it, but no, I still like it. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you like it. You got some brooding for I us? I do. Though birthday is a watcher because Cordelia becomes part demon, and you need to know that going forward. In a world where choices are what matter and every choice has a consequence, we know there will be a bigger price to pay for Cordy keeping the visions and staying on her path. But we won't see answers in the next episode with just picks up without addressing Cordelia's new demon side. And that drives me crazy. So I will turn things over to you now that we're done with birthday and moving on to provider. In Provider, Angel becomes obsessed with making money to provide for his young son. As the advertising campaign brings in a bunch of clients, the team is stretched thin trying to deal with all the work rolling in. Wesley and Gunn deal with a murderous girlfriend whose dead boyfriend is stalking her for killing him. Angel takes a job clearing out a nest of vampires from a guy pretending to be rich but who in the end cannot pay the fee. And Lauren and Fred end up helping a bunch of demons who want to gift their prince with Fred's brain. Literally. In the end, Angel Investigations doesn't make much money, but we learn a valuable lesson about what's really important. Family and the mission. Provider aired on January 21st, 2002. It was directed by Bill L. Norton and written by Scott Murphy. All right. So, Dr. Jones, perfect happiness scale completely randomly from zero at stake this to six at lost your soul. Where are you with Provider? So, this episode is a two, but I love Jeffrey yes. Dean Morgan so much oh, that I, I gave it a three. <laughs> I love him. I love him everywhere. I see him. He is adorable. Uh, however, did not 
raise it up from a two for me mm -hmm. because it was it's probably from a one to a two maybe because <laughs> of Jeffrey Team Morgan. Uh, this episode doesn't do much of anything. It's basically just filler. It kind of holds the space until we decide we want to get back to actually telling a story, mm -hmm. and it is predominantly just meh yeah. for me. Yeah, so, I yeah. agree with all of that except my love for Jeffrey Dean Morgan runs so deep. I have very strong love yes. for Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He was yes. he was the inspiration for one of my romantic heroes in one of my really? books. Really? So, yeah. yeah, Tobias from A Little Night Magic. Yeah, that was Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I I did not know that, but Tobias <laughs> is my favorite of all of your romantic heroes. Oh, really? Yes. He is like my least favorite of no, all of them. But I do I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Love Tobias. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. All right. So, um, unfortunately, I didn't have much for moments of perfect happiness in this episode. I did have a moment of meh, you know, okay. um, which was Holtz and Justine, mm -hmm. right? You know, I mm -hmm. mean, it is a sick relationship between these two, yeah. but I, I like it. I found it compelling. I found it interesting. Um, she is, is weird and he is really <laughs> weird. And the two of them together in this, she even like, what would it kill you to have a little electricity down here? It's got like torches. <laughs> like it is Los Angeles. Like you can, you can plug a uh -huh. thing in, you know, yeah. um, especially cause we know that in that same space with the torches burning in the background, he was watching a bunch of TVs with Sajan <laughs> in the beginning. Um, but yeah, the, the, the whole thing is, is weird, but there's this idea that he is, you know, he's mad at her because she didn't listen to him or whatever and kill the vampire without his permission. Um, so there's like a lot of patriarchal bullshit going on with that. Uh, she won't leave. She won't pull the thing out of her hand. She won't, you know, she's still there when he comes back and it's weird and sick. And this idea that he's looking for people who are, you know, again, and, and you know, we have this dark reflection of Angel, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that we, we need to be about the mission, you know, right. that we have to have this strong sense of mission. He doesn't want to just hire a bunch of mercenary grappler demons and, you know, and do that. He needs people who feel as strongly about killing vampires as he does and as Justine does. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I kind of like that, even though honestly blink and you'll miss it. There were like 15 seconds of Holtz and Justine and what was there was sick and disturbing. <laughs> so um, is yeah. the third date, typically the one where you drill somebody's hand to a table with a screwdriver and with have... like an ice pick yeah, yeah. With... it was in an I ice pick for, yeah for me i'm usually like that's a fifth date thing for me but then i'm yeah. old-fashioned yeah so i was kind yeah. of wondering where we were yeah. in their love story and no like, it's it's sick and hell? twisted but i kind of like it and justine like <laughs> justine is a mess justine is dark and she's you know, but I don't know. There's something like I can't help but like her, even though I really don't like her. Like it's it's a very weird kind yeah. of thing. So they are kind of like my my moments of meh, you know. And I've also got uh -huh. some of, like I, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, love my... Jeffrey Dean Morgan. It's mm -hmm. always fun to see him. But I have to say though, like I, I've seen characters named Harlan. Uh -huh. A few times throughout, like, very, like, not often, mm -hmm. but a few times throughout various TV shows. There was, like, a character in Moonlighting, you know, from the 80s, right? Whatever. I, I, yes, I remember that the guy's name was Harlan. Um, but all the men named Harlan are always, like, crazy wealthy. 
Huh. I was just like, you know, there's just something about, I don't know if there was a Harlan running around Los Angeles during this time and these people <laughs> knew him or whatever. And they kept writing like, well, we need a rich dude. Let's call him Harlan. I don't know. But anyway, so all, all, all Harlans are unbelievably wealthy and, you know, in television. So, um, so that was kind of fun. It was, it was funny for me to hear that, um, to hear the name Harlan. Um, you know, we've got Lorne with his mm-hmm. uh, baby formula and Kahlua, not as bad as it sounds. And I'm thinking, no, that sounds really bad like i think that that would be as bad as it sounds i think you know? that sounds really disgusting and you would just drink the kalua straight just drink the kalua straight and don't yeah. tell me that that place doesn't have coffee they have coffee they always have coffee yeah. they have coffee <laughs> Angel investigation, especially right. now with a baby and nobody sleeping right. they right. have coffee they have coffee, so that's going to be fine. Um, you know, the, the, there was the whole goofy bit in the opening, right, where they're just waiting for somebody to call, and we get this split screen where we see this man in trouble, and he gets the flyer, and he makes the phone call. It ends up being like a pizza place or whatever. And all of that was incredibly goofy. It was kind of stupid. But I do kind of love how at that moment, it's silent, and they all just look at Wesley. <laughs> You just see Wesley's (laughs) reaction. He doesn't say anything, but you just see the look on his face that he put the wrong phone number on the flyer. Um, And so as as stupid as as that whole thing was, and I really didn't care for it, for that moment when everybody looks at Wesley and we just see his face, I kind of liked that. I kind of liked that. You had one job, Wesley. One One job. Job. <laughs> um, I also like the the Notre Dame class of 2020 because I was like, dude, that kid's a junior in college now. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. Pretty so insane. Old. That baby. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I know. I was thinking about my students, like my students who are juniors. And I was like, no, that's just weird. They're all they're all baby oh, Connors age. Babies. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. It's, it was yeah. a long time ago. That was 2002. Um, and then, of course, like that moment at the end of the whole run with uh, with Jeffrey Dean Morgan, where he's mm-hmm. like, you're a hero. You're a real champion. He's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I I really did enjoy that. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> I I really enjoyed that moment when they were you know like talking about the treasure, this watch, and yeah, Angel's like, what does it do? You know, is it like magic? Is it this? And Jeffrey and Dean Morgan's like, it glows in the dark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just something about it's a Timex. That. Yeah, it's a Timex. It glows in yeah. the dark. It just felt very late nineteen ninety, early two thousand to me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was very exactly. cute. It is. It was very cute. So there were some cute moments. There were some cute moments throughout this, but mostly, predominantly, my experience with Provider was uh, stake it, stake it hard. Yes. Kill it dead. Get the ice pick out of Justine's hand from the previous episode and just stab this episode (laughs) with it over and over and over again. Um, Wes and Gunn fighting over Fred. Yeah, I hated that I whole hate thing. It. This competition for Fred. It's this we we play it for laughs, but it's this male possessiveness. Like mm-hmm. they both want to own her or mark her. And then at the end, she's like, "I could kiss you both," and they just look at each other. I'm like, "Oh, for Ugh. fuck's sake!" Like, yeah, that's not what this is. Like this, you know. And so this like funny thing where they're both just madly in love with Fred, and uh, God, I don't, I didn't care for that. No, at all. I, thought I don't like awful. it. And I don't, I'm never like a fan of love triangles like mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Like I'm fine when, 
you know, if someone is trying to make a choice or find out something about themselves or find out something about a relationship or whatever, but when you have two people that are just flat out smitten with the same person and all it's yeah. going to do is make them fight all the time. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's like, I like it when it, when it's focused on Fred. Yes. Who is aware that she's in love because that's the thing. That's where a love triangle works, right? right? You have like the great, a great internal conflict is you have one person who wants two mutually exclusive things, right? right? So we have it focused on Fred where Fred wants Wes and she wants Gunn and she can't have both. Then great. But instead we're focusing on these two men who are competing for possession of this woman who has no idea. She's so wide eyed and innocent about the whole thing um and all of it i find really annoying i do not care for it when it's put in that context i like the context of the internal conflict yes for a person who's trying to make that decision i agree but fred that. doesn't even know right it's completely don't oblivious even the whole know thing know that she likes one yeah. or either of them at this who point. does she like right. exactly like what is she into like nobody yeah. cares because it's about possession neither one of them is like well she's into me like you know right. I mean, neither one of them has that claim they're both into her and they're competing with each other as though the issue is oh i just have to you know get you out of the way and then she's mine as opposed to i don't know maybe she decides who she wants to be with, if she wants to be with either one of you doofuses, you know? Right. So yeah. And I, I, that whole thing I found really annoying. I also found and of course, you know me with technology, right? Like (laughs) I I have a a technology thing with this, (laughs) with the bad demon Photoshop where, okay. So where we have this hint of these demons and we know that they're up to no good. And they say that they want to give their prints, you know, first it's Wesley's brain and then it's Fred's brain. And so we know obviously clearly that this is going to go south and they literally mean they want to take her brain out of her head. And like, we know that that's where it's going to go, but just in case you missed it, just (laughs) in case it was too subtle for you, we're going to show these demons playing around in Photoshop, taking a picture of Fred and putting the head on their print. It was so stupid. It was so (laughs) stupid. It was beyond, it was cringy, stupid. And I just couldn't even, I'm like, are you seriously going to show me these demons who are going to be playing around with, like, just in case, like, the plan wasn't clear. (laughs) Everybody gather around while I Photoshop this shit for you because I can't explain it to you. Like, this is their culture. This is what they do. This is what they intended. They all know what's up. So who is that for? It's for me as the viewer. And I already picked this up from the moment they said they wanted Wesley's brain. Like, I got it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, God, it was terrible. Yeah, it was so freaking funny that, like, I was just laughing so hard because I'm like, Lonnie Diamond. <laughs> Going, going to have a hissy fit. Hate that. Photoshop. Bad use of technology. Bad use Bad. of technology. So it was it was exposition via technology. Ugh. Photoshop exposition. It's like a like, special Photoshop add-in. Oh my god, no, it's so it was so <laughs> It was so bad. And I understand that Photoshop was like fairly new back then. Yeah. Like not terribly new. I mean, I've been using it for some <laughs> years at that point. Um, but still like, uh, no, no, no. At, at least they okay. didn't do it in paint. Ugh. <laughs> God. Cut her head off in the thing. 
Because we got to put it on a card for him to have his nice, pretty new hair. I don't even know. I don't even know what that was about. But that that honestly made me so insane. Like everything that happened that has annoyed me that I wanted to stake between these two episodes. That was the thing where I was like, no, I love no, Line in this. That is offensive. It is offensive. Um, and then we got creepy zombie stalker boy, right? Yeah. You know, part one. I- I'm gonna go back to this guy and research questions, but for staking. Here we have this boyfriend who is, you know, a zombie and is stalking this woman and, you know, sticks his head through the door and says, well, who are these guys? And she and Wesley says, we're here to protect her from you, actually. And boyfriend says, protection? Oh, I thought you were dating them. And like what the, the amount of stupid, like the, the, the levels of, first of all, once again, it is all about possession of this woman, that this woman belongs to you, that she can't see these other people, even though you're like, you know, dead, right? Um, there isn't very much of this story, you know, but I have to say, like, okay, it's all incredibly stupid. All yes. of it is incredibly stupid, that this woman who had killed her boyfriend, who had poisoned her boyfriend, was upset that the zombie was stalking her, then goes to get help with the zombie. Then at the moment where he's like, oh, you know, well, you killed me, and, and Wesley and Gunnar are like, you killed him? And she's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. I'll just admit it. Like, that's fine. Whatever. Whatever. It's I mean, just, he did read her diary. Yeah. So, I... No, I'm just No, kidding. like, he's, he's possessive. Saying, like, he's... But, yeah, like, I mean, no, I'm not saying, like, I don't think that she should have killed him. But, like, I get it. You know? Yeah. But then at the end, but then I, at the end, she's that. like, well, maybe I judged just, you too quickly. And it's so cute because they're back together. together. But uh, what, yeah. what the... What? Yeah. What? That was so bad. And like, he wants to get back. I'm like, dude, have some respect for yourself. If the person Mm -hmm. you're dating kills you, move on. Like, don't go back to that person. You deserve better, even if you were a diary reading asshole. But I did. The whole thing was so dumb. I mean, the whole episode was so dumb. Yeah. But I did laugh when... You know, they're, like, falling in each other's arms and being all gross. And then Wesley's like, will that be cash or charge? Right, like, exactly. No, I did, I did like that. <laughs> that was And I funny. did kind of like that she killed him. Like, I, I did yeah. kind of like the twist. I just hated the way it was presented. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I, I, yeah. But, I mean, but I like that she, that she was the one who poisoned him. But, yeah, no, none of it makes any it's it's all terrible it's yeah. all it's, it's just terrible. all really bad and then you know we've got a couple of these things like angel saying if i don't get paid i can't fight please angel yeah. you've yeah. been and angel was the one who all the time was like no we can't take money for this i'm a champion i help the helpless da, 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 da. like you know i mean i know he's got a kid now but he's not going to be like oh well if you don't pay me i'm gonna let vampires kill people like that's right. not at all who angel is and like that's taking it a bit too far um and then cordy bringing the baby to save fred and lauren from murderous demons what bringing a newborn a newborn baby you don't bring the baby no it's i just when she showed up with the baby i was like you've gotta be kidding me there's got to be somebody else they could have called for a babysitter i mean maybe 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 she in her vision saw the stupid photoshop and thought well these are the world's (laughs) stupidest demons so obviously they can't be that dangerous but no you don't take your baby to a place where you just don't no when you're watching the baby you take care of the baby that is your job so yeah that made me insane yeah me too. I was staking a lot of things. Uh-huh. At least episode. the baby wasn't a bomb this time. 
Oh no, there is that. There is so at least at least we got that. Um, all right. So research mode. I had a few questions. Okay. Um, Jeffrey D. Morgan, mm-hmm. right, and his buddy Jack. Yeah. Right. Uh, clearly, this is a gay relationship. Yes. Right. I mean, yes. clearly it's a gay relationship. Everything that they, you know, everything that he says indicates that it it was a, you know, like, but, but we refer to them as friends. Mm-hmm. These vamps killed your friend. It was your friend. Like, can we not, like, Angel is so, so heteronormative. Here we have a clear gay relationship. We cannot acknowledge that it's, it's 2002 yeah. over on Buffy. We've got Tara and Willow. Like, can we not? Just have a gay, you know, that these that he was in love with this this guy, Jack, and Jack ended up getting killed by vampires, and so now he wants vengeance. Like, why? Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why can't we just acknowledge? But I mean, like, it, it clearly was a gay relationship, right? I thought so. I mean, yeah. And, so anyway, and, that annoyed me. I mean, think about it. Like, what moves you to the point of vengeance? You lose somebody you love. Right, and, and I'm not saying that that, like, these two guys can't be, like, good friends can't yeah. be best friends but the way that he was talking about it he was like oh you know this is the watch that i gave him right. and he wouldn't want me doing this and like all this kind of stuff like it was clearly a gay relationship and yet we cannot textually acknowledge that so whatever it was yeah. a, finally a moment in angel where we could just have gay people without it being a big deal no you know but at least acknowledge it (laughs) i think heteronormativity is the hill on which angel is willing to die no seriously it's like we've got to code this relationship that we're not going to actually we're just going to be like oh your friend wink wink but they don't Mm -hmm. wink about it they don't ever Mm -mm. even nod at it they're just like no they were just friends no they were not just friends he was clearly in love with this guy i mean which is fine just acknowledge it. Just let us have a gay freaking couple somewhere in Angel. You know, it was so close. We were so, we never have gay relationships Mm-mm. ever. You know, I don't nope. know. So I found that really annoying that we came so close and it's like, just allow a gay relationship to be. Of course, one of them is dead. So we've immediately gone, you know, uh, already to the kill your gays you oh, know, trope. Well, but, yeah, there you but, go. Just knock it all out at the same us, time. <laughs> just let us have... <laughs> just just ease up on the heteronormative because it's so annoying after a while. Um, and then we get, okay, so creepy zombie stalker boy. This mm-hmm. is part two. Um, all right. How did he become a zombie? Was it something in the way that she poisoned him? It's just a coincidence that he became a zombie? What the hell happened there? I think this is the guy that you can't get rid of no matter what. This is the guy who reads your diary. You can't even shows, kill him. You can't even kill him. He shows back up after you break up with him. He right, shows he, up. What made like, him a zombie? Not to mention the fact that he's know. a completely normal zombie. He's able to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to eat anybody's brains. Mm-mm. They start making out, and apparently everything is fine. He's just kind of undead. What kind of zombie is this? Yeah. And what is up with the zombies? And when you when you have zombies, they are like the they're the brainless. They don't like they're just biological machines. Like there's nothing to them. Like the person was so that he's dead, but he's not dead, and she poisoned him, but he's not dead, but he's dead, and he's a zombie, but she's gonna be with like. 
And, and just a coincidence that he happened. Like, we're not going to explain how this guy became a zombie, that it wasn't something in the way that she poisoned him, that if she deliberately made him into a zombie because she kind of liked him being obsessed with her and it was a game that she was, or something. Like, just explain it. Don't mm-hmm. just make somebody randomly a zombie for no yeah. reason. Yeah. Or, like, what kind of poison brings somebody back from the dead? Like that. Because sure. he was still kind of normal looking. Kinda Just give me a something. Looking. And Wesley didn't try to answer that question. I don't believe that for two seconds. No! Wesley would absolutely be cracking them books. But, I mean, the thing is that if she had deliberately poisoned him with something that would bring him back as a sentient zombie because she liked him being obsessed with her, that would have been all I needed. Yeah. Like, absolutely, that would have fixed a lot of problems for me in this whole thing. Yeah, but then why um, would she have gone? Well, I guess maybe that was less fun than she thought it would be. Plus, that girl was... Like, that. that's another really sick and twisted relationship that's like, uh, uh, yeah, Yeah. It ain't good. It ain't good. We got Justine and Holtz, you know, and and Fifty Shades of Ice Picks, and then we got this, (laughs) (laughs) like, whatever. Zombie. No, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's a mess. I, I, I can't. I don't even know what to do with the episode. It was just bad. Lonnie, it was just bad. terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. So I'm going to brood for a little bit. While Provider has a great guest actor in Jeffrey Dean Morgan, it doesn't move the big story forward. So that's why it is a skipper. The fact that it's not really a good episode either makes it absolutely skippable with no reservations. Don't watch this episode. Let us save you from that. <laughs> All right, so Dr. Jones, we are getting to the still thirsty segment of our mm. program today. Uh, what is making you thirsty this week? So, like, I need to ask. Yeah, three little words: Jeffrey, oh. Dean, Morgan. I know he's just adorable. He's so gorgeous, and he's if so... they would just let him love who he, he loves. loves, right? Like, come on! Honestly, but that I man's smile—I swear. No, he's he is just he's so good, so charming, and so wonderful. I love him. And I love him on Grey's Anatomy more than I can even say. I know that's where I fell in love with oh him. Oh my Grey's Anatomy. god! Oh my yeah. god! And I love no, him on The Good great. Wife. But oh yeah, I was so happy to see him here. So yeah, yeah. it's always fun to see. Him. <laughs> All right. So, what's your favorite part? Oh, even though it's a mess, Cordelia kissing Angel to take back the visions. I don't care. It Aww. lights up my heart, and I love it. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. What about you? What's your favorite part? Oh, one-armed Proto Dark <laughs> Wesley. Clearly, <laughs> every every week it's going to be the same. I actually have it in our show notes, yep. right? Because we have all this stuff like in a template that's just we fill in, you know, through the script. And every week it says Dark Wesley. <laughs> it's always going to be the same whenever, thing. <laughs> whenever he shows up, yes, yeah, one-armed Dark Wesley with the scruff and everything. Yes, no, I, I love that guy. <laughs> And I'm not ashamed to admit it. (laughs) You love what you love, baby. I love what I love, and I love me some Dark Wesley. Well, we would like to hear about what y'all love. So to join in the discussion on Twitter, follow Lonnie at Lonnie Dinerich and me at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag still dead. For more in-depth discussion, visit the Chippers forums. Go to chippers.com, click on forum and join in the fun. Or you can support Chippers Media to the tune of $1 a month or more and gain access to the live chat in Discord where you can hang out with me and Kelly and all the Chippers patrons who think that baby formula and Kahlua is probably just as disgusting as you think. (laughs) 
Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. You can also show your support for Still Dead by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a review. That's one of the most effective ways to show support for any podcast that you love. Or you can use your social media platform of choice to tell your friends. Word of mouth is a powerful thing. And to say thanks to our rogue demon hunters who take the time to write reviews, we turn to the Prophecy Scrolls. I'm writing these in reverse chronological order, so post your review and you'll hear your prophecy soon. For new mama for eight months, Team Angel wants to keep making money while avoiding decapitation in all forms, so they're branching out with a new resume writing service for clients (laughs) with career troubles but plenty of cash. (laughs) First up is Skip, who's in between jobs with the powers that be and still kind of pissed at Angel for ruining his Demon Fire Prison Dimension gig. You have been called, dear one, to help Skip find his calling and his next professional path. We've asked for a suitcase filled with $100 bills for you, along with admin access to the career help page of Angel's website. (laughs) Skip's file looks a little sketchy, but we have faith in you. He'll meet you at the mall at 5 o'clock, and I hear the movieplex is playing The Matrix, so y'all have fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll be back next time with season three episodes 13 and 14 waiting in the wings which is a watcher and couplet which is a skipper until then find a loophole skip we know our purpose we know our purpose